Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So what ends up happening when you look at Facebook is you conclude logically that everyone else's life is better than yours and uh, therefore feel sad. More about Facebook's dislike button later as we discuss whether we like the ability to dislike. It's Ian and I. It's highly likely that we do. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. Now, Ian, you and I are both in the business of offering journalism for no cost, uh, both in terms of this podcast, and you can pay us, of course, by leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you very much indeed. Um, but it is free. Yes. And on the web, we offer, uh, we both in uh, our professional, I suppose this is professional as well, but uh, in our day jobs at least, um, we write for websites that do not charge uh, and instead have ads display advertising as one of their revenue streams as is the case with many websites now in the desktop world we've known that ad blockers have been around for a long time and the news this week is that ad blockers are topping the charts of apple's app store as ios 9 officially was released now i'm surprised by this if i'm absolutely honest i was not expecting to see ad blockers topping the paid charts on apple's itunes but yet that is what we saw today and uh, and i have jumped in and and paid i paid 79p to see what the ad blocking experience is like and it is exactly as one would imagine it's very similar to the um ad block plus plugin that i use on safari to block annoying advertisements it's uh, it's surprising how many people have uh, jumped onto the bandwagon immediately and paid for ad blocking ian what's your view on this yeah i mean it's a complicated issue isn't it and i kind of get the sensation now um that this might be how people in say the entertainment industry might feel uh, you know so say you're a musician and you talk about not stealing music um but secretly on the down low you you have in fact stolen music yourself because it's kind of common to download mp3s at, at some point in your life um and you know now here we are we're we're, we're people who earn our, our salary from publishing and we probably use our blockers in fact i do yeah um, and at the same time i i feel like well you know my entire career is is based around um you know people seeing and advertisers paying um the problem is that like the music and you know tv and film industries um the advertisers and, and obviously it's the publishers as much to blame have taken the mickey for too long haven't they they've, they've had these adverts that are simply too intrusive and yeah um and that and that's been a problem and it has put people off and we're starting to see it really take hold now you know people are uh, just so sick of adverts that they're, they're they're going out of their way to block them and of course the more people block adverts the more we're going to see because the you know we have to every page has to be monetized somehow doesn't it? it's not a very nice word monetized but um ultimately you know if you're looking at a web page for free you are so you know someone's had to pay for that it, it, it this content doesn't come out of nowhere does it um 
you know, and, and obviously as someone like if I'm going to do my musician thing, you know, sal- salaries in this industry are getting worse. I see what some people are earning for sort of entry level, you know, people just coming into the industry to write. And it, it's terrifying the kind of money that they're being asked to work for. Yeah, that is 100 percent correct. And it was there never are, brilliant when we started, but, you no. know, it, it, but it, it has got a lot worse, I think. There are there are a couple of uh things that we can we can talk about around that i think one is that for a a musician the the product of a piece of recorded music is no longer the the artist's sort of prime source of revenue if you like they they they're writing songs and if it's, it's almost beginning to feel like the recorded album in some ways is promotion for other ways to enjoy that band's creations whether that's live whether that's festivals whether that's merchandise we hear all this stuff all the time the problem is is that in order for them to get the advances up front they need to still sell cds to fulfill a recording contract and thus get the advance and the support needed for the next release so buying music still has even if you don't want to give money to the band it still allows them to fulfill obligations that their old contracts um require them to do in order to keep making music in the case of web to get back to our point about web blocking is what's the other outlet there well it, and also one other important thing is that musicians charge for music as a on the whole um it's not ad supported we are do, i mean you know I'm, I'm gonna say we because i think it's only fair um we are basically providing something for free uh, and uh, and supporting it through ads. So we're not asking anyone to pay anything for the most part. I mean, obviously there are some sites. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because it is a very subtle but quite important difference. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, though, we are in an interesting transitional phase if you like for the industry at the moment because on the one hand i do i mean i block i i have an ad blocker but i'm i'm much more um liberal with my blocking so i don't block everything i i selectively block the uh any sites or ads that are consistently frustrating um because i do want to support um some websites particularly smaller websites um but there are some websites that just have such obnoxious ads that interfere with the content out of desperation that it's like well your desperation is making your reading experience unusable practically Mm. at this point you know particularly anything anything that overlays an ad over the text is a problem you know so it's a real problem and we deal with Mm. this all the time and but the fact that this is happening on mobile it's almost a surprise that this hasn't happened sooner at least on the ios side i mean it has existed for some time and um in Android, at a, at a, and, and we're talking here about an operating system level. We're not talking about browsers that you can download that have ad blocking extensions built in. These have been around for a while. This is iOS speci- or Android specifically having a setting that allows you to block ads in the native web browsers. That's that's what we're talking about here, and this has a real knock on effect because ads that are heavily laden with large adverts take longer to load over mobile networks that's both expensive and time consuming now that both of those things are not two things that we generally had on the web uh, on desktop that is they were never particularly expensive where it's it's now expensive to load those ads particularly for on a limited data plan and the second thing is that they consume more battery power which again on a desktop machine plugged in less of a concern but on mobile devices particularly smartphones these days where you know you're fortunate if you get home or go to bed and your phone's still got power having ads eat up the battery cycles there that's not 
particularly good for you either. So I'm kind of surprised that it's taken this long for these services to become embedded at the OS level because they're so clearly, with browsers being the most popular app on any of these phones, it, it seems like the kind of thing that should have happened a lot sooner. The concern is that they're happening now because advertisers have not yet caught up consistently as an industry to provide better adverts that are more suited and targeted for mobile. And now it seems that publishers are paying the price for that. And yeah. um, as we move more towards mobile web, this is going to push publishers and, and advertisers to use different ways of making money from content. And I think that it's natural to expect if they're not getting it from display advertisements in the traditional way, they're going to have to tie it into something else that gives the mobile platform value, which is obviously mm. going to be something like location, or it's going to be something that's device specific, which we have seen already in terms of ads that um, support or promote downloading ads um, or, or, or something else that we haven't talked about yet. Um, so that's probably what we can expect to see as a result of this. Yeah. I mean, also um, I, I was going to, there was there was one other thing that I was going to say that's quite important to remember it's that um once you install an ad block it is kind of difficult to get um uh, you can't you're you're going to have it installed so you're never going to see ads so you're never going to know what sites do good advertising and what sites do intrusive advertising so ultimately what starts off as you know, sort of punishment for the people that have abused the system ends up as being something that you just stop thinking about um and and block universally and that, and that means that you're, you're you're very unlikely to start unblocking things once you've started but yes it's going to be difficult as well for for anyone to remind users i mean one of the things we have seen in the desktop world is ad blocking uh plugin makers who allow companies to pay them to review their advertisements and if the advertisements meet the criteria of um you know an obtrusive or inoffensive or low bandwidth or what have you then they will add them to a whitelist so that yeah. they can get through so the the people blocking ads are then charging companies to allow ads to go through but they're almost acting as arbiters in the in the argument about are your ads actually the kind of ads people don't mind which is to say not intrusive and offensive which may then remove some of the value in having them there at all in the and you also market. would note that the washington post has recently started blocking people who block ads um, so mm. you can't get you can't read articles on the Washington Post if you've got an ad blocker. Although you, I noticed you can uh, set, put your email address in, and then you're allowed to see the story. So that's an interesting thing, isn't it? So they're yeah. basically they're collecting email addresses instead. Let us know what you think about this. Have you installed an ad blocker on? iOS 9. If so, what is your view? Why did you do it? Do you intend to ever disable it? Let us know. Podcast at natelangson.com. And uh, also any other comments in particular on ad blocking. It tends to be a very personal um, question uh, asking about ads because it's something you have to proactively do. And people who generally do it, do it quite knowingly what they're, what they're doing. Um, you know, they want to block ads. They know that ads are how people make money and they do it anyway. And um, we're not removing ourselves from that debate Ian and I having admitted to do that ourselves for, for many websites so let us know what you think podcast at natelangson.com now before we get to the second half of our news discussion today we are going to take time to get to a little bit of feedback that came in the first one comes from a friend of the show and friend of a uh, friend of mine as well Richard Gunther who says I'm about a week behind my podcast listening, now catching up after a lengthy business trip. I really enjoyed your discussion about lighting and connected home technology last week. And that was our discussion 
Ian and I about light bulbs from <laughs> our EFA episode. Uh, Richard continues, Nate, as you know, I'm somewhat embroiled in this space with my blog and own podcast, hearing your fresh discussion, asking why does it have to be this way in a sorts was interesting. I think you're asking the same question that many consumers will ask. And I think that Ian is right on point um, that HomeKit could eventually give you what you've been asking for. Phone control, if you want it, without a hub. This is the ability to control light bulbs in a house without having to use a hub as a conduit for that. There are some solutions, though. Some manufacturers are selling Bluetooth bulbs that create a Bluetooth mesh for lighting control from your phone without a hub. They are, as you posit, more expensive, though. Logitech is enabling its hub-based RF remotes to also control home products. And a little thing I found in the US last week, not yet available in the UK, Richard points out, is a wireless remote control that can control the Philips bulb without a hub. Thank you, Richard. Uh, next, we have an email here coming from Andy. It says, hi, Nate. Double dose this week with you on the CNET podcast as well. It's true. I was on the CNET UK podcast last week talking about Apple. Do check that out if you are, for some reason, needing another 30 minutes of my voice. <clears throat> and he says, Andy says, just a quick thought on the Apple TV. Not sure that it's going to be as revolutionary as you mentioned. Installed base is everything to get the kind of apps you mentioned, Sky TV, etc. And I just can't see it going to be bought widely enough to attract the kind of apps that you talked about. Remember the Xbox One had thoughts along these lines when it launched with demos showing TV being streamed through the console. And despite over a million in the UK, there is no sign of either Sky or Virgin doing very much at all, except a bit of EPG integration. Consider also Sky have their own now, their own now TV box. Virgin has got a big one with TiVo. And Apple um, will expect to slice a hefty chunk of cash off the top of any subscription fee, given half a chance. Frankly, the Apple TV looks interesting, but I can't see it being ahead of TV revolution, at least in the UK, anytime soon. Ah, well. Now, I think that's a really interesting point. The one thing that I'll point out, because I wanted Ian to talk more about this than me, uh, being more of a TV man, um, which is that with the Xbox One and the PlayStation, the real focus there was they weren't trying to be conduits for TV. They wanted to be the TV itself um, and replace a cable box and, um, you know, a really heavy-handed approach. Whereas I think Apple's approach is a little more light touch than that, and it's more of an addition um, to, to the platform, at least at launch. But Ian... Your yeah, thoughts. yeah, yeah. And thank you, Andy, for the email. That was really interesting. I was going to say, there's two things that occurred to me while you were reading that. The first is, um, yes, he's right. Usually, Scott, um, usually Apple would want to top size any subscription, but they'll uh, now TV. Uh, obviously, you can subscribe through, you know, a web browser or through another service. So actually, I don't. Sky's not going to be. Able to, uh, sorry, my my brain today. Apple's not going to be able to take a slice of that. Although it will possibly be able to take some if you sign up in Apple TV itself, or I guess. Um, but more importantly, is that don't forget that um, Apple just gets people. You know, like they, they people will develop apps for Apple because it's Apple. And even if Apple TV doesn't sell as many, you know, pieces of hardware as Roku, although I suspect it will, um, I still think everyone will develop for it. Firstly, because it's extremely easy um, if you're just porting, you know, your iOS app. And it, it probably won't take a huge amount to tweak that and move it over. I don't know. I'm not a programmer. But actually, if anyone is, I'd love to hear. We'd love an email about that. Yes. If you've actually, if you've, if you've dabbled in iOS development and you've had a look at the, the TV uh, kit development, then we'd love to hear about how you find it um but yeah um i i just think people will just port their apps it's easy and it's an easy win and i think the 
companies like Sky, really, they make their money based on the, their availability everywhere. Don't forget that Netflix is ubiquitous and Amazon isn't. And which of those companies is better known for streaming TV? There. That's a little mm. thought for you, isn't it? But seriously, I mean, I find Amazon very frustrating because of its holdout on apps. So um, I think companies who offer services will, will rush to Apple. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times in my life. As long as people continue to be both right and wrong, Ian, we will always have a podcast and we will always have <laughs> listeners sending their feedback to yeah, podcast at natelangson.com. Ian, it is time to talk about Kindles. Yes. Now, this week, Apple... Apple, he says. Freudian slip there. The uh, psychologist banana skin on the pavement of conversation there did not mean um, Apple. I meant Amazon. You can see where I go wrong. Amazon has launched a new range of Kindle tablets. And one of them, in particular, has caused some headlines. I'm going to point out why some of those headlines are wrong and disingenuous. But first, let's take a look at what the headlines are saying. The headlines say things along the lines of the following. Amazon's £50 tablet, buy five, get one free. Uh, That was on the Telegraph. And and others have talked about how Amazon has this £50 fire tablet. Now, let's talk about what is true here. Number one, Amazon has started offering a seven-inch Kindle tablet called, uh, well, I think it's just called the Fire, isn't it? The Amazon... Uh, the Amazon Kindle Fire. It's not a Fire HD specifically. So Amazon Amazon Kindle, and it's seven inches. It starts at £49.99, and it comes with a 1.3 gigahertz processor. It's got quite a small amount of storage, I think, internally, but you can add more via microSD, and it runs Amazon's own Bellini Android-based operating system, which ties it very nicely into the company's app store and buy and it's and it's uh what's it called it's uh it's it's media ecosystem if you like and that gets to the number of what amazon wants to do here it wants people to buy these tablets it doesn't want to make any money off them it just wants people to be using uh both amazon prime and its media services and its app store now the reason why i think that some of these headlines are being a little bit disingenuous is because the 49.99 price point requires that customers allow amazon to put ads into the tablet this is something it has done on its kindle devices in the past but this essentially means that if you have a you have to have a a uh, uh, a sponsored screensaver as an option on your device which would show you ads for could be magazine subscriptions, could be apps, could be all sorts of things. Um, and you can't turn them off. They are there unless you pay money to remove them. You could also get promoted apps in your um, on your on your home screen on the on the device itself. If you don't want those, you pay a tenner, and then you get them removed. So this brings the price up to fifty nine ninety nine. Still a fantastic price, but let's not. I don't want to get too far down the line that Amazon has launched a sub £50 tablet because it does come with a major caveat that the other manufacturers don't offer. On the other hand, we are living in a world where choice is what's making the difference and this is just another choice. And otherwise, I think this is a very compelling offer. Ian? 
great thoughts, for, please. Great, great for kids. I mean, well, absolutely. You've got, and, got kids and, and they need a tablet, which they all do because let's be honest, sometimes you just need a half hour's piece. You um, do, and and Amazon has said here, if you buy five, you'll get one free. <laughs> and yet they've they've simultaneously said that they are more durable in their tests, internal tests, than Apple's iPad Air. Now we're not going to debate whether that's true or not because Amazon's done its own testing and we haven't. But it does strike me as an odd thing to say our tablet is great for kids and it's super durable you only need six of them yes i mean i, I like the idea of that i mean i suppose, i think probably if you're buying for families that works out quite well doesn't it because it does you, you buy lots and you know and get a nice deal one each um, for all the sprogs yeah absolutely i you know I, I amazon basically is king or queen depending on how you look at it um of providing products that make absolutely no money on the sale of that product i mean i think really amazon is just about getting people into the amazon world and then it will it will make money from there and you know it it doesn't really need to make money on hardware really it's its main source of income is selling stuff to people yes um so therefore it's it's free to do this it's you know got a massive infrastructure in place that enables it to sell these to anyone in the world um and it's you know it's a good idea, and fifty pound tablets will sell well. So this is this is the, this is now the tablet equivalent of the mobile phone contract based system that we saw throughout the two thousands and still to this day to somewhat, which is that you buy a generic phone that does lots and lots of things, but you're really using it as a conduit to use services in the mobile phone world yeah. that was voice and text and so the, cust- the the network wanted to give you a free phone or subsidized phone or everything just anything to get you using their services over their competitors that's what amazon is now doing with its tablet and its media consumption well, don't, platform. don't forget about the fire phone as well but the, the well the fire is... phone the fire phone if we if we're honest has basically been killed hasn't oh it? no it's dead um but the uh the thing about the fire phone is that um again they, they 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 made a mistake there that was they didn't follow their own model they didn't sell it for as cheap as possible that uh, you know and tried to make more money out of it as a product because of the integration with Amazon they sold it for far too much money mm. and had trouble shifting them mm. um, in fact i understand from a, a, a an unnameable source that they they sold pretty well when they dropped the price so um i it would be a shame if amazon didn't come back to phones at some point but um mm. for now i think t- its tablets are excellent i we've got i've got one here that um my daughter uses all the time and absolutely adores. So, I hear um, I hear extremely good things about Amazon's Kindle Fire tablets. They're really good. So I'm very curious to hear people's opinions. Will you be buying one of these? Have you already? Do you find the offer of uh, buy five, get one free compelling for you? <laughs> Do you mind the fact that to get one for 49 quid, you need to have ads on the screensaver? Is that a compelling model? Or does it sort of go against what we're seeing elsewhere on devices that we want to get as far away from ads as we possibly can? Also, top tip... Um, the I believe that the original Huddle from Tesco is still available in store and is also fifty pounds. Ah, the first Huddle. Yes. Well, the first Huddle sucked. No, the- no, 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 no. The first Huddle is absolutely fine if you, uh, as long as you're, you know, talking about using it within certain parameters. It's it's not a bad device. Uh, we're for not kids. talking about the Huddle too. 
You're talking about uh, the very no, first Hubble. The very first one, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, for price, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, but... fifty. Again, it's it's probably it's probably got more power um, and spec than the Amazon one. I'd need to check that. Um, hmm. I'm sure someone out there will know, but um, I, I might have a little look. Actually, it's an interesting yes. question. Well, let us, it... just let us know, people. This is what we want to hear about. What tablets are you buying low cost for your children or otherwise? Podcast at natelangson.com. Let us know. We want to hear about it for next week's show. Well, very last on the list here for today, Ian, is the answer to your and I uh, very considerable concerns over the years that it has not been quite possible enough on Facebook to dis uh, <laughs> to to disseminate our dislike for the world's various addictions. Um, we're now getting answers to our silicon prayers in the form of the dislike button on Facebook. We've wanted it. We've asked for it. We are getting it. What? could we possibly do with such a tool? Well, Mark Zuckerberg wants to allow people to show empathy or support for certain things. So, for example, the other day I saw that uh, sadly a friend of mine, a joint friend of ours, in fact, in, um, was burgled while he was out. And mm. the only option there was to comment or to like. Now, I perhaps wanted to like some part of the comment that he'd said but but I didn't want to interact at all um, because essentially I didn't want someone to read I've just been burgled and then noticed Nate Langston likes this because it makes me look like a complete arse <laughs> what would be great would be for me to use a dislike button and say I you know I dislike this now that all seems fairly obvious so why has Facebook taken so long to come around to doing this we don't really know. I assume it's something to do with seeing how people abuse the system. And Zuckerberg has said at an event that they're going to be trialing it and testing it over the next few weeks and months and things like that. And it just, it baffles me. I'd love to know what sort of testing they're having to do. Because we're talking about something that is so simple. So simple. It's just a button that says dislike. They've already got one like, like. You don't even need to design a new logo. Just turn the other one upside down. Like, I'll do that for you for free. It's not <laughs> difficult. Photoshop. It's like edit, image, size, rotate. Like, <laughs> not a problem. Um, and yet this is taking a huge amount of testing. I'm fascinated to know, because they will have reasons, what exactly they think is going to get abused with this button is it going to be is it going to turn people off posting things because it's going to be too easy for people to feel like they've uh, they've had their ego punched because we you know we've had a conversation many shows ago about um, kids posting things on on Facebook where the like is the currency it's their social currency and the more likes they get the more they feel they are liked and to allow people to dislike may uh may cause people a feeling that they are being wronged ian well, dislike yeah. button do you like do you dislike do i you don't poke? Really, i don't really care to be honest um fair enough I, 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 moving I on then <laughs> well, uh, well i've essentially given up on facebook to be honest i find i find the whole thing extremely depressing it, mm. uh, I wrote a piece about this a, a while ago about how, um, how how Facebook is like the edited highlights of everyone else's life. Um, so what ends up happening when you look at Facebook is you conclude logically that everyone else's life is better than yours and uh, therefore feel sad. And so I have sort of just don't bother with it so much anymore. I mean, obviously, it's great for connecting with people. Um, and I like, you know, I like the fact that I can stay current with friends who I don't get the opportunity to see a lot. Mm. Um, but every time I log into it, I think, Oh, for God's sakes! Everyone's happy. Everyone's really, really happy. And what are you looking forward to disliking people? Have you um, have you been caught in that online social quagmire where the pull of 
needed interaction was so great and yet there wasn't an appropriately directioned thumb uh, with which to show your opinion. Uh, now there's going to be, what are you going to do with it? Where are you going to put that thumb? Podcast at NateLangson.com. That is where you can direct your thumbs uh, if typing on a mobile phone or your fingers if using a desk-based keyboard, of course. Um, both are equally welcome in our inbox. I think that's going to do for this week, isn't it, Ian? Yes, I think it was a good one. We've, uh, we've, we've chatted about some diverse subjects there, haven't we? Okay, mate, this has been great. <laughs> we will catch each other and indeed all listeners in one week's time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.